following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Well, today we are continuing in our teaching series called Gardening in Babylon. So if you could turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah 29, we're going to look at that passage again in just a minute or two. By the way, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, that is perfectly okay. We have some in the seat backs in front of you and underneath your seats if you're in the wings. Um, and you can, you can get the, the passage there. As a reminder, or for those who uh, haven't been here for the first two weeks of the series, these words that we're about to read um, came from God through the prophet Jeremiah to the Israelites, the people of God, who had been conquered by the Babylonians in 586 B.C., and had been sent into exile, far from their homes, far from everything they knew, including any sense of groundedness or place or spiritual geographical connection. Um, Specifically, the the temple in Jerusalem was no longer um, there for them to worship in, and... uh, I mean, you can imagine what it would be like if our place of worship was destroyed and we were sent, you know, uh, miles and miles away in a time when there were no cars to get back. <laughs> um, but f- for these people, the, the location of the temple and the, the physical space was even more intricately tied to their understanding of, of God and how they connected to God. So they were completely turned upside down. And God spoke through the prophet Jeremiah to them. And the words that he sent were not words of comfort so much as words of resignation. Essentially, he says, you might want to get used to it because you're going to be there for a while. But he also says this really wonderful thing about how they should live in peace and harmony and love with their neighbors, who, by the way, were the people who conquered them and dragged them off into Babylon. Well, let's read the passage. It's Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7, and I have it on page 639 in the Red Bibles if you'd like to follow along there if you haven't found it already. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. And then this most important verse for us. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. So that's our foundational passage. For this series, Gardening in Babylon, which is sort of just a clever turn of phrase, but also for Artisan Church and our whole perspective on being planted here in Rochester. Now, we don't feel like we're sent into exile in anything like the same sense that, um, that the Israelites felt when they were in Babylon. Although, as I said before, being from Maine, pretty much everywhere else feels like exile. Uh, but that's not really why we... We cling to this passage. It's not because we um, have been dragged off into this place. 
against our will. It is because we are placed here. Artisan is rooted here. Rochester matters to us, and we want to seek the welfare of our city, and we want to pray to the Lord on its behalf. That's what we're going to do next week. Because in Rochester's welfare, we find our own welfare. I think that 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 is true for us today, just as it was true for the Israelites in Babylon um, centuries ago. And in the past two weeks, we've talked about the first bit of that passage. We've talked about what it means for us to build houses and to plant gardens. And if you're interested in what we talked about, you can get our podcast and listen to those messages if you'd like. But today we're talking about sons and daughters. And uh, as I mentioned before, this should probably be a fairly brief message, um, in part because some of what we've already done here in, in this service today serves to make the point probably more strongly than I could do by preaching in the first place. But let's take a closer look at the pertinent verses, and uh, I apologize, um, is that Ben upstairs? I think I put them in, in the wrong order, so you might have to go backwards. I know, he's, he's giving me one of these. <laughs> um, but I want to look a little more closely at the, the verses that are relevant for today. Thus says the Lord to all the exiles in Babylon, take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. Now, of course, uh, our culture's understanding of, of marriage and how how we think of daughters differently from sons and all that stuff, it's not quite the same thing as, as um, what was true in this very patriarchal society, of course. So the, the language about, it, it, if you're coming to this fresh, if you're not familiar with, with our perspective to this, it may sound a little bit like we're just kind of saying, you know, raise daughters so that you can give them away to other men <laughs> um, so that they can make more kids. Um, that's not, obviously, I, I hope it's obvious at least, that's not how, how we view parenthood. Um, and it's, it, you know, it is what it is. So the, the, the Bible exists in a, in a cultural context. It's not, it's not, it doesn't exist in a vacuum any more than we do. But, that doesn't negate the message, which is that raising families that worship and serve and love God, and families that live among and love their neighbors is one of the best ways for us to bring the gospel to the ground, to to bring about the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven, as the the Lord's Prayer says, right? We sang that song earlier that's based on the Lord's Prayer. You remember that phrase? How many times, if you've grown up in the church, if you pray the Lord's Prayer, I will be done on earth as it is in heaven, give us this... You don't really think about that, but what, what that means is that we want God's perfect heavenly desire, which, which exists outside earth. You know, we don't, it's not this physical up and down kind of thing above in heaven, but, and which we believe will exist in the future. We want to pull those things to our present reality. That's part of what it means to, to be gospel people, to be Jesus people, is to bring about his will on earth, now, and of course, one of, the, one of the really great sustainable ways that we can do that is by having families and raising them 
uh, in such a way that, that honors God and, and continues the work of, of Jesus. So even though we have a different cultural milieu, <laughs> um, there's my, my, my uh, silly French word for the day, um, from, from the Israelites at the time of the prophet Jeremiah, we have the same perspective on our world, and we, wanted, we want to, to live out our faith in the same kind of way. That's what this whole series has been about. So since we're talking about sons and daughters, children, I thought it might be nice to um, ask our children's pastor, Jesse, to come up and talk uh, a little bit about some of, um, some of how we think about kids here. So, Jesse, come on right over here. And you can use that, that microphone. Um, you're gonna press a little harder. Hello. No, you're okay. It's our it's our fault. That, no, that's right. All right. <laughs> I should not have used that now. <laughs> it's okay. You did. You pressed it. It just didn't. It didn't change. It's okay. So, as we think about what it means to raise sons and daughters uh, in a way that impacts our city, I wonder if you could explain some of the basics of our philosophy of children's ministry as, as we approach it as artisan and as you approach it as a pastor to, to our kids. Um, so talk about that a little bit, if you yeah. would. Um, so we believe that children have an innate sense of God's presence in their lives. A relationship with God isn't something that we hand to them. It's something that they have, and we help them to grow that and recognize it in their lives. Um, so what we do in the children's ministry is to help to give them the language to describe that, to recognize it, to explore it, and also um, the stories of God's people throughout time so that their experience with God now can be rooted in the experiences that God's people have had um, throughout history in the Bible. So we look at children not as someone that we can you know, shape and mold as so much as to help what's going on within them to be recognized and to help grow who they are and who they are in God. And so as these kids um, begin to, f- to find their footing in, in faith and to live out the calling that's already present in their lives, that, that is um, innate to who they are, well, how, does that, how does that translate into action? You know, and I, obviously we're, I know that we're doing a, a couple of specific things there, but um, maybe just talk to us a little bit about how, how we kind of harness that into something that actually begins to have them living out this passage. And if I can ask you just to hold that up a little bit closer. Okay. (laughs) Um, So many of you know that kids love to help people. So one of the ways that we've been encouraging the kids to express their faith is by taking on what we're calling ministry projects. Um, Some of you may remember in August we collected school supplies and there were um, beautiful handmade posters all over the hallways (laughs) made by our children. The the box (laughs) to collect them was decorated Um, The kids gave the announcements, the kids packed the backpacks, and we sent them to Cameron Community Ministries. Um, So we're encouraging the kids to take take the leadership on these projects and things that they care about um, to support their ministry dreams. Right now we're helping the bridge with the coat drive. Um, The kids created a slide you may have seen earlier. Some of them said they were interested in graphic design. There it is. (laughs) So my husband, who's a graphic designer, sat down with them and helped them to make that. Um, there'll be an announcement from a kid later, but um, even one of our 
one of our preteens um, put posters up at school for the co-tribe as well. So they're kind of taking that on as their own and taking the leadership on that. So that's really neat. We've also, Abel up there, and some of the boys wanted to do something for homeless animals. So the, <laughs> these preteen boys sat down and made a list of the, the desserts they'd like to sell at a bake sale <laughs> and to raise money for the homeless animals. So you'll be seeing more about that soon too. But um, it's definitely a goal of mine to listen to the kids and, and help them develop the things that they want to do to be a part of the community and to help others. Yeah, great. That's awesome. I love hearing about the kids doing stuff like that. So um, what guidance would you give uh, to parents about how to encourage that kind of thing at home too? Because uh, our, our whole thematic thread for the year, as you know, is beyond our walls. So we want to be living out our faith in all the different ways that we do it um, when we're not in this building and in this room. So um, what, what advice might you give to parents uh, trying to shape that? Well, we actually started the parenting course yesterday. And one of the things that they say that everybody who's a parent probably knows is true, but it's one of those hard truths, is that um, the values that you model are the values that your kids are going to have. What you do matters more than what you say. So being a part of the community, doing the things that are important to you, will then become important to your kids just by, th- by them watching you, by them seeing you take the time out of your schedule to do that. Um, if you go visit the nursing home to see an elderly friend, if you are making dinners at the homeless shelter, your kids know that's what you're doing with your time, even if you're not giving them a direct lesson about it. Um, and those are really important things for them to see and to know are important. Um, also, taking your kids with you, if it's something that's age-appropriate, your kids can come with you and see what you're doing. Um, You can find something that's age-appropriate if you need it. um, And let them actually help. And then they'll also become inspired with their own ideas. So as adults, sometimes we are so busy with everything that's going on that we don't take the time and have the space to listen to what is on our kids' hearts, what dreams they have. And kids do love to help people, and sometimes they have crazy ideas <laughs> that sound crazy to us, you know, um, extreme ideas, I guess, on ways to help people or ways to make a difference. And adults were really quick to say there's not time for that, there's not money for that. Um, but by listening to what kids' dreams are um, and what God's doing in their hearts, we're telling them that it's important to listen to God in their lives and that it's important to follow the things that God wants them to do. Hmm. Awesome. And then uh, what about people who don't have children, um, because our community is made up of all kinds of people. Um, some of them had children and they've left the house. Some are single people and don't have children. Some are married people and have decided not to have children. And the last thing that we would ever want to do is, is kind of isolate people who don't have children. Um, and that's, I mean, not to steal your answer, but that's one of the reasons why in the dedication and baptism ceremony there is a moment when we turn away from the parents and turn to the congregation and ask you for your involvement in this child's life. Um, but so as far as we're talking about with, with this kind of specific question, though, what, what role do people who don't have children have in this idea with sons and daughters gardening in Babylon? All right, well... Um this community is obviously a community that does have tons of children, so even if you don't have a child, there's, they're like crawling over your lap or begging you for a cookie out there or something. <laughs> I think a lot of people have had that experience here. Um, 
And as I was thinking about it, I was thinking, you know, maybe there's people who come here and feel like, I don't, I'm sorry, I'm holding this too far away. Um, <laughs> I can hear myself now. Maybe there's people who come here and feel like they don't belong because they don't have kids. But I was thinking about it, if, if you have a family where you have tons of brothers and sisters that have children, you're not going to say, I'm not going to go to the family party because everyone else has kids. Like, I don't want to see my nieces and nephews. Like, you go to the family party and you get to know the kids. You learn their names, the things they like, and you maybe even teach them about your family and their history. So it's kind of like that here where it's sort of a different kind of family, but still a family. And so even if you're here without kids, these are our community's kids. And it's sort of a, it takes a village kind of mentality. And it's wonderful for you to learn their names and get to know them and say hi to them and have those relationships with them. And as a parent, it's important to me for my kids to have different role models in the church and to have those relationships of people they can talk to. So I would encourage everybody who doesn't have a kid and maybe feels like this isn't for you, um, <laughs> get to know the kid that's sitting in front of or behind you during, during music. Some kids are a little more outgoing than others. But, um, <laughs> get to know them. It's part of our value as a church. We all value our children, and we want to see this church community continue to grow throughout the generations. So um, investing in all of our kids together is something that's important. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Jesse. Um, that, that last part is, I think, really important, and um, I, I totally agree with what you said. I, I feel that way so much that, that uh, I want my sons to be around people who are not, like, not parents, you know, um, because I have a sort of a narrower, narrower and ever narrowing perspective, being a father of two insane young boys. Um, <laughs> well, one insane young boy and one completely sane and cogent and bright nine-year-old. Um, <laughs> but I, it's really important for me that Abel and Teddy are exposed to people who are different from their parents in all kinds of different ways. Different from their parents. And one of those ways is people who don't have children. So, uh, And then just, uh, I, finally, a, a brief word to people in the room who may want to have children, but for one reason or another cannot. Uh, I know that that's a very painful thing um, for you, especially to be in a community like this with a billion little kids running around. Um, and so just know that we see you and we love you and uh, when we have conversations like this, we really don't mean for that to, to exclude you in any way. We, we really love uh, your participation in this community um, very much. Uh, so there's that. Thank you very much, Jesse. Thanks. I'd like to um, conclude with a brief meditation on this Wonderful story from the Gospels. I love this story so, so much. Um, And we need to be reminded of it time and time again. Because sometimes when you're trying to get something done in church, there's a baby that makes a lot of noise. (laughs) And you're like, come on. If that baby would just stop making noise, we could get on with communing with Jesus. If that toddler would just stop running back and forth, I could worship. 
if that kid would stop making faces as his friend at the communion table, I might be able to get into the right frame of mind to receive the sacraments. And that baby <laughs> just cries so much. I love that it's Rhea because she's just usually pretty silent. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm being a little silly, but if I were to say I've never felt or thought anything like that, that would be a lie. And I think it would be a lie if you said that, that too, right? Can we all agree that we, we would be lying if we, if we thought we were above that kind of reaction? Well, you Bible nerds know where I'm going, don't you? Mark 10, 13. Jesus had become a teacher of some renown by this point. And so people were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them. And the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Now, the Bible is sort of sterile somehow, sometimes in the way it says things like this. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, I sort of imagine Jesus like, this is a slap upside the head kind of moment with his disciples. Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. And then, if they hadn't gotten the point already, he warns them. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. Running up and down the aisles, crying while the pastor is saying something very important making stupid faces at each other at the communion table, dancing out of rhythm, clapping on one and three, <laughs> screaming, laying on the floor, knocking over the refreshments table, sprinting down the hallway so that our first-time visitor gets bumped in the leg. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. He took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. Let's pray. God, our Father, we know you as your sons and daughters. We pray that the sons and daughters among us would be examples for us of what it is like to come to Jesus completely uninhibited, to seek his blessing, his touch, his love without shame or reservation. We pray that all of us who are adults, whether we're parents or friends of parents, or strangers to the children's, children in our midst, that, that all of us would participate in the life that we see among us. 
that all of us would be part of nurturing children and bringing them up in the knowledge and love of the Lord. And we pray that these children among us would lead the way in blessing their city, that we would have the sense to follow them and to dream big like they do. That they would be a part of seeking the welfare of our city because in its welfare, they and we find our welfare. Amen. We'll continue to worship together now in song and at the table of the Lord uh, and in prayer with the prayer team if you'd like that. Uh, Our table... Uh, is open to all who follow Jesus in this place. You don't have to be a member of our church. You don't have to be a member of our denomination. You merely have to be a member of the family of God, and you can even be the crazy uncle. (laughs) Um, If you are seeking to follow Jesus earnestly in this place, you can receive his body and blood at this table. Uh, Also have the waters of baptism here. If you would like, you can touch the water and remember your own baptism uh, as you come to the table. Tear off a piece of the bread, dip it in either the wine or the juice, whatever is more appropriate for you and your family. If you'd like to involve your kids in this, you're more than welcome to. Um, if you'd like to do it without them for now, you can just go get them after, after you take communion. Um, if you're not uh, a Christian, if you're not a person following Jesus in, in this place today, uh, if you are questioning or seeking or, or actively resisting, um, we love having you here. Welcome to our church And uh, it's totally okay for you not to participate in this part of the service. You will not get funny looks um, or sideways glances. Uh, It's okay to sit and think or pray or meditate, whatever is appropriate for you. But we just ask that you respond to the Spirit's leading, however it might be present in your life as we continue to worship Him together. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.